Good morning. This morning we come to the end of our liturgical year with the celebration of the Feast of Christ the King. It was established in 1925 by Pope Pius XI in response to the post-World War I rise in nationalism and secularism. Originally, it was celebrated on the last Sunday of October. Then in 1969, it was moved to the last Sunday of Ordinary Time, where Pope Paul VI felt that the theme of Christ's dominion over all things makes it a fitting end to this liturgical year. This Sunday, we're also blessed to have our new catechumens with us. They've been taking part in our RICA program, and they seek to be fully initiated into our faith come Easter. Throughout the past months, depending on what Mass you come to, you may have seen them process out right after the homily with Deacon Frank to continue their studies. Well, today, after much study, we just welcome them through the rite of acceptance into the order of catechumens. And with that naming of catechumen, it is we, the baptized faithful, who are reminded of our commitment. See, for the word catechumen comes from the Greek, It means one in whom word echoes. It's the time in their formation that we play an active role in echoing our faith with them. For as we gather around them, the soon to be baptized, we are reminded of our baptismal call to be disciples of Christ and to live out our threefold mission of priest, prophet, and king. So on this feast of remembering that Christ is the king of all things, we cannot forget that we and soon our catechumens are baptized into Christ's kingship. But what does that mean? And what do we need to be echoing in each other's lives? Today we heard that familiar dialogue from John's gospel. It's proclaimed every Good Friday which Pilate asks Jesus if he is king of the Jews. And Jesus somewhat sidesteps the answer and says that he was born into the world to testify to the truth. Unfortunately, the lectionary of today's gospel cuts the dialogue just short of Pilate's infamous reply to Jesus' statement when he asked Jesus, well, what is the truth? Because for Pilate, of course, the truth was just merely whatever the Roman Empire said the truth was. Since Jesus testified that his kingdom was not of this world, a world then ruled by corrupt empires and principalities and powers and institutions, Pilate was essentially clueless to understand what his prisoner was really talking about. So the question remains. What is the truth that Jesus came to testify to? And how does the answer to that question tie together the feast day, the welcoming of our new catechumens and candidates, as well as our call to live out our baptismal anointing in Christ's kingship? To answer that, we first have to delve into the word truth as it was used in the original Greek. See, that root word means reliable and faithful and constant and permanent, and secure. So what does Christ's truth look like that he came to testify to? Maybe best described by the section of Matthew's Gospel that was read on the same feast day last year, 
When Jesus said that those who live in the truth, in his kingdom, feed the hunger and clothe the naked, visit the sick and welcome the stranger. And when you do all of this for the least of his brethren, you do it for him. With that, Pope Francis concluded that the starting point of salvation is not the confession of the sovereignty of Christ, but rather the imitation of Jesus' works of mercy through which he brought about his kingdom. Those who accomplish these works show that they have been welcomed Christ's sovereignty because they have opened their heart to God's love. So today's gospel shows us how two different kingships can be. While Pilate was fixated on the rules of the earthly kingdom, Jesus came to testify that his truth was rooted in the love and mercy and about our connectedness with Christ and with each other. Maybe another way to understand what this truth of Christ looks like would be through a modern-day parable written by Douglas Wood. It's called The Old Turtle and the Broken Truth. It's a story of how the world came to be so fragmented when the truth is the world is meant to be whole and in relationship. The story goes like this. In a faraway land that is somehow not so far away, one night a truth falls from the stars. And as it falls, it breaks into two pieces. One piece blazes off into the sky, and the other falls straight to the ground. One day, a man stumbles upon the gravity-drawn truth and finds carved on it the words, You are loved makes him feel good. So he keeps it and he shares it with the people in his tribe. Things sparkles and he makes the people feel warm and happy. It becomes their most prized possession and they call it the truth. Those who have the truth, they grow afraid of those who don't have it because they're different than they are. And those who don't have it covet it. And soon, people are fighting wars over the small truth, trying to capture it for themselves. A little girl who is troubled by the growing violence and greed and destruction in her peaceful world goes on the journey through mountains and across rivers and through forests to speak with the old turtle, the wise counselor. Old turtle tells her that the truth is broken and missing a piece a piece that shot off in the night sky so long ago. So together they search for it. And when they find it, the little girl puts the jagged piece in her pocket. And she returns to her people. She tries to explain, but no one will listen or understand. Finally, a raven flies the broken truth to the top of the tower where the other piece has been ensconced for safety. And the rejoined pieces shine their full message which now reads, you are loved, and so are they. And the people began to comprehend, and the earth began to heal. See, unlike the truth of Pilate, grounded in the laws of the Roman Empire, the truth which Jesus came to testify to is that we're all in this world together. We all are interconnected with one another. 
we are truly in relationship with each other. And that as human beings, we can celebrate and nurture that connectedness, or we can choose to fight anything that's different than us. Recently, in one of his daily homilies, Pope Francis defined a Christian as one who includes and does not close the door to anyone, even if this provokes resistance. The attitude of the scribes and the Pharisees is that they exclude. They say, we are perfect, we follow the law. These other people are sinners, they are publicans. But the attitude of Jesus is to include. There are two paths of life, the path of exclusion of persons from our community and the path of inclusion. And anyone who excludes because they believe themselves to be better generates conflicts and divisions. And no doubt we have witnessed much of that in these past weeks. So as we bring this liturgical year to a close, let us pray for peace throughout the world and an end to conflict and division. And pray for those who are deeply affected by this unrest. Let us pray and echo our faith with our catechumens and candidates as they near the end of their studies, leading them to be fully initiated into this community of St. Paul. And let us not forget that Jesus came to testify to the truth, that the kingship of Christ, the kingship of our baptism, is not based on human power and superiority over others, but on loving and serving one another. For in doing so, the truth of God's kingdom becomes present on earth as it is in heaven, nurtured by our faith and held by our loving Christ, the Christ who is indeed our King.